Why did you come to me? FBI, ma'am. Father's working with us. He's helping us resolve a dangerous situation. He is? Yes, ma'am. Well, gee whiz, John, I guess we ought to get going, huh? Whatever you say, Stanley. Thank you for that. You could have handled it differently. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? You almost got me killed twice, and my jaw hurts like hell. Hi everyone, welcome to an episode of a podcast directed by, so we will continue with our month on Michael Bay, and we are kind of, we're going to the extremes, uh, as Michael Bay is want to do in his movies, uh, we're doing that in this episode, we're talking about his best and worst, so we are going to talk about The Rock and Mike's true pain, Transformers, last night. Uh, so Mike, you finally, there's finally now a reason for you to have watched Transformers last night, so at least it wasn't for nothing, it was for our, you know, just millions of downloaders uh, to hear your take. 83, on million. 83 million impressions. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's it's right. just like Six Underground. It's like Same thing. Yes. Same fucking audience. Uh, yeah, I previously only was aware of The Last Night as the uh, it's the movie that killed the Bay Transformers Cinematic Universe, right? Wasn't this the I one mean, that financially underperformed finally? Yes, and, uh, yes, yes. Put it this, in its tracks? Yeah. This is the one that ended it. And it was also uh, the only one I hadn't seen um, oh, originally. Poor bastard. So, I, so maybe I was the key. The one I didn't see failed. <laughs> Dave's not coming. It is. Hmm. Were been. you still doing Pop Culture Case Study then? Did you I was. cover? I was. But I so didn't. you chose to skip it. It yeah. didn't get the Pop Culture Case Study publicity push that's right that's right now it does in death <laughs> thanks a lot helping yeah. out your, your boy michael bay there that's right um, here to help but we are going to start out uh with talking about something a little more enjoyable uh we're going to talk about the rock um so that's obviously the you know nicholas cage sean connery ed harris uh, you know among many other we talked about in the last episode about you know bad boys being this 90s action film but if you want to talk about like actors who like represent action films. There's a lot of those in here too. Uh, sometimes in smaller roles, like Michael Biehn, especially uh, showing up here. Um, but this is the movie of his older movies. I think that holds up the best. Like this is something that you wouldn't have to tweak too much um, for audiences now. I don't think, or am I just looking at this through like nostalgia goggles? Cause I like this movie so much. No, I think it gets into what I was bitching about well one of the things i was bitching about on last week's show about yeah narrow it down mike is, Come on. <laughs> yeah yeah okay you know I'll, I'll get to my madagascar material if you want a little bit more enthusiasm we'll, we'll save it you know maybe for the transition sequence you can we can what we can put in clips <laughs> <laughs> yeah madagascar uh, they go to europe in the third one dave well <laughs> well we took a week off you know which was 30 seconds of real time i did a deep dive <laughs> This is like smoke and aces. This is uh, it's a simple hook. Mm -hmm. So you got some military guys that uh, feel that they have been, you know, stepped all over. That their their work, their families have not been supported. They're doing um, things that I guess they can't be appropriately credited for. And so when some of their their lives are taken uh, for their country, uh, you know, you you have 
um, I don't want to say forgivable, but you have at least uh, a reasoning behind our our threat, our antagonist mm-hmm. here, played by Ed Harris and crew. Uh, and he states it pretty clearly up front. Like you have this little yes. miniature heist. You introduce how dangerous this chemical mm-hmm. is that they will now uh, point in your territory and the, the Bay Area pointing at uh, civilians. Uh, and – we need a guy. We need an expert to get us in. Much like you bring in experts every month, uh, mm. you know, we got to nice. have a Sean Connery uh, <laughs> coming in and get our guys onto Alcatraz, where uh, the chemical warfare uh, will be staged. It's 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 easy. It's yeah. It's the, that we the title of the film is where they are located and how do you get in there and stop the threat? That's it. And it's, think, it's a throwback action movie. Is this? One of the only Michael Bay movies in which you kind of understand, like, the humanity of the, quote-unquote, the villain, the antagonist in this movie. Like, I think it's set up very smartly in this way where you're like, you know, I get it. You know, he's doing terrible things, but he's doing it for honorable reasons. Uh, And I think it helps when you have someone like Ed Harris in that role. Like, he really carries that very well. He has that, like, sense of gravity to his performance, and that stuff really works. But most of Michael Bay's other movies, you're like, it's, you know, it's very clear who you're supposed to be rooting for. And this one, you know, it kind of divides you a little bit. Like, obviously, you don't want them to, you know, unleash hell on a city, but you do want them to, like, get what they wanted in terms of, like, the respect that they should have been given for doing all these black ops for the country and all the, all that kind of background information. Um, so it's like remarkably like balanced for a Michael Bay movie. Usually it's like, you know, you look at Armageddon, well, you've got Bruce Willis versus the dumbass government, you know, and this is like, okay, this is a little bit, it's a little bit more measured for Michael Bay. So we're not, we're not doing Armageddon at all, right? Under Mm-mm. the new Mm-mm. format. Th- this might be your, your time to drop that awesome clip uh, from the commentary track. I don't know if it's from the Criterion, but we're the Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. <laughs> yes. I asked Michael why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers, and he told me to shut shut, shut the fuck up. So that, that was the end of that talk. He was like, you know, Ben, just shut up, okay? You know, this is a real plan, alright? I was like, you mean it's a real plan at NASA to train oil drillers? He was like, just shut your mouth. shut <laughs> up, See, here's where we demonstrate that, because Bruce is going to tell the guys that they did a bad job of building the drill tank. He did a piss. See, he's a salt-of-the-earth guy. And the NASA nerdonauts don't, uh, don't understand uh, his salt-of-the-earth ways, his rough-and-tumble ways. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's because your cans are all... Like, somehow they can build rocket ships, but they don't understand, like, what makes a good tranny. <laughs> we've, actually, uh, we've had them training for eight months solid now. Eight whole months? Well, pretty much, yeah. Oh, gee whiz. Well, this like, eight whole months, as if that's not enough time to learn how to drill a hole. But in a week, we're going to learn how to be astronauts. Oh, one whole week? Now you know how to fly into space? I need my guys. Why do you need them? They're the best. Everyone's the best. Why are they the best? I don't know. They just are. It's just like, you know, <laughs> you just can't believe. Like, we've we've pulled one over on the American audiences. Like, yeah, we we can't train these, like, elite scientists, these these men who are meant to, to function in space to, dr- to run a drill into a rock. But <laughs> these guys are uh, fantastic. Yeah, put that. I, I believe that was probably... I, 
uh, you know, Ben Affleck's had his own personal struggles. Yes. Uh, I have to imagine he was probably intoxicated when he was forced to do a commentary track for Armageddon. That movie is so aggressively dumb. Like, it's just, like, we're just going to do it. And it's interesting because I think that came right after this um, in terms of Michael Bay's filmography. And this movie is, like, you know, for an action movie, legitimately a pretty smart movie in, in the way it deals with with a lot of the stuff it's dealing with. Um, and then Armageddon, it's just like, yeah, we're just going to go full overboard and we're going to go crazy. Well, uh, so this one stands I out to I me read. in that way that it does feel like, for lack of a better term, maybe until Pain and Gain, uh, maybe the only movie in his filmography where you're like, well, this is actually kind of smart. In the way in the way it's looking at things, uh, and you don't get a lot of that from Michael Bay. He goes big and he goes dumb. Uh, so this definitely like kind of leaps out when I look at his filmography, which is why he's now a featured auteur on this this podcast because <laughs> David had enough of <laughs> this, you know, the, the respected cows that we can't, I guess, lead to our podcast slaughter here. That's right. So we had to bring on Michael Bay, throw this some cheap shots, idiot, and are they and cheap shots or uh, are they I'm, just? really true like are am i taking cheap shots am i being mean or like is this just being honest i'm i'm, I'm asking maybe in, honestly maybe in the in the 90s yeah maybe because i i think that if there were podcasts in 96 and you had two you know typically uh middle-aged white dudes just droning on and on about all the problems they had with the rock and that doesn't make sense why they do that blah blah uh, someone i think would have put a stop to it in the mid-90s like no podcast <laughs> no movie podcast because it's like what are you what are you asking for here this is a right. june action movie um speaking to maybe the i guess the intelligence of the setup like i, I read where ed harris struggled with how to make his you know, villain here, uh, sympathetic, uh, which I, I think does an excellent job. Like you don't have I him agree. like weeping or like sort of lamenting his lot in life. Like he's trying to handle it in sort of matter of fact, I guess, as professionally as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when the government calls his bluff, he, you know, he has the comments like, what do you think I am insane? I'm not just going to kill <laughs> random civilians. I had nothing to do with like, I have no beef with him in particular. This is with this military industrial complex. And, uh, I think everyone in the audience is like, okay, good. You're, <laughs> I'm not like kind of sympathizing with a fucking maniac. Although, <laughs> right. you know, in these times you have the Joker and people have all sorts of, you know, uh, sympathies sure for mm-hmm. a fucking idiot in uh, face paint. Um, <laughs> But you know, it's, it's a film where the 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 savior is a guy who also uh, was just doing his job for his country and has been abused for it. Like he he agreed to the stakes of the game, and because he was on the other side, uh, you know, our government gets to give him the hi hat and be like, "Oh, this is an atrocity what he was doing. How dare he was going to hurt you know our our culture and our defense if he if he revealed who shot JFK. This is who would ever do such thing when." What your villain is showing you is that our country is uh, just as willing to get their hands dirty in that particular sandbox. So, yeah, I think that you're right. It is it's presenting sort of a more adult eyed view of what really are like little boys playing war. And mm-hmm. that's what Michael Bay wants to get at. But I, I think when you have someone of Sean Connery's caliber and Ed Harris uh, that elevates it. I'm not mentioning mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage because I don't on rewatch. Okay, I had a question he... about about Nicolas Cage's okay. performance. Um, okay, because it's something that came up when we were recording our last episode when we were talking about um, Michael Bay taking these comedic actors and putting them in action films. So I was wondering, like, which one do you prefer? Because in the you know in Bad Boys, you have two 
you know, comedic actors who are known for their comedy. And one of them, he like makes a total badass. He's Mike Lowry. Like this is just the, the super cop, right? And then you've got right. Martin Lawrence who's cracking jokes and doing his thing. Um, and then you have here, Nicolas Cage, definitely a different type of comedic actor, like kind of a screwball kind of actor. And you're putting him in the midst of an action movie. And I don't think, I don't think The Rock is ever out to make Nicolas Cage look super cool, right? It's, uh, you know, he, he, he grows towards being more action oriented as the movie goes on, but he's still kind of a goofy dude. So which one do you, do you prefer here? Do you prefer taking the comedic actor and like forming them into an actual action star or like using the gifts that you get with a, with a comedic actor and placing them in a crazy situation? Well, I mean, with Will Smith, it's it's made quite a bit easier because he's incredibly handsome and yes. he has like the sex appeal. What do you say about Nicholas Cage? To shoot him. What do you? <laughs> well, okay, Nicholas Cage is kind of weird looking. Um, yes, he's coming at this time off leaving Las Vegas, so oh, he's had right. strange Jesus. comedic performances with Raising Arizona. He's done. I think some high concept comedies with like Honeymoon in Vegas, uh, Guarding Tess is another one. So Leaving Las Vegas was already sort of a shift where it's like, oh, he he like made good. He's a serious actor. Uh, and then it's like he, you know, he does his sort of victory lap, even though obviously this would have been production before the, the Oscar season for Leaving Las Vegas. Um, I do think, though, if you had tried to shoot Nicolas Cage and they're – you know, you get that later. You get like Con Air to some extent. You get him like within a wife beater, uh, trying hair. to look. Jesus. The hair. I mean, there's still an element of humor because I think Nicholas' sensibilities just kind of veer that way anyway, just mm-hmm. to be a little bit offbeat. Um, but I think if you, you know, you put someone like him in many of the countless scenes in Bad Boys where. Uh, his button-up shirt is, for whatever reason, unbuttoned, and he's, like, f- flying through the air, chasing bad guys, mm. shooting just so his chest <laughs> is exposed. You would have some, you know, giggling, I think, in the audience as far as, like, okay, did the actor <laughs> demand this? Did he demand, like, because that's how he sees himself? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that – I don't know if I have a preference. I think it's just, you know, using the, the tools that you have at hand that what's going to work for, for Nicolas Cage – might not necessarily work for for Will Smith. You know, one one I wanted to watch for this podcast. I didn't get a chance to because you know you've got me watching damn near three hour like toy robot <laughs> commercials for this fucking thing. Uh, you know, auteurs rassles here. Uh, it was Enemy of the State, which oh, uh, a good I have movie. to shout out. Uh, Hiro uh, is demanding, and I, I don't think Michael Bay repeatedly is him. He's de- repeatedly demanding. demanding. Tony Scott, and he's not wrong. I, I love Tony Scott movies, so that would that would fit in our you know sort of summer of fun. But mm-hmm. I you know I, I'm throwing him a bone here. <laughs> I'm throwing him a bone of saying, hey, how about this movie I didn't watch? And now I'm hey, talk about I it heard you. Minutes. Now shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got another podcast called Sober Cinema. I did Crimson Tide, and he like personally thanked me for what this podcast will not give him. <laughs> but Enemy of the State. I don't know if you if you've seen it recently. I've... Probably the last time I saw it was about six months ago. Yeah, so I've seen it recently. But from memory, and I've probably not seen it since I was a teenager, is Will Smith attempting to play like what Nicolas Cage is here? I know he's more of like an everyman, but he's also like they're trying to dress him down like, oh, it's not Will Smith action god that you're used to. And I actually felt that that didn't work there because we had come off a string of years where Will Smith – 
saves the girl, takes down the drug cartel, saves the world from aliens, <laughs> and then next summer saves the world from aliens again. So now he's going to play a guy in a suit who's like playing Cary Grant, who's being chased by like you know the big government. Yeah, yeah, that's true. One thing I will say is I think so. It's interesting rewatching this because there's things about Nicolas Cage's performance that I really liked when this came out. And some of those things are things that like don't work for me anymore. Um, so you have all these moments where he kind of, you know, chases down whoever, usually Sean Connery, uh, in the beginning of this movie and like kind of like has his bursts of anger. You know, you're cut the chit chat a hole moments and that stuff doesn't work for me anymore. It seems like very like what? Like, this is just like, you have, like, it's almost like you have a mild form of Tourette's where you're just like, why are you screaming in these odd ways? And I think Will Smith, because Smith's, it's more of a, is that more of a joke on the Nick Cage persona now? Yes, like that yeah. you maybe weren't used to. And yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's sort of the similar response I had to it this time around. And like Will Smith, when he has his moments in Enemy of the State where he kind of gets upset about things, it, it feels more natural. Um, so I think it works a little bit better, but you're also, I th- but I think if you watch Enemy of the State in a vacuum now, it'll, it would probably work better than it did back and, then and, when you're yeah, like action star that. Will Smith. Yeah. So well, it's, whenever I get some fucking time, I can watch <laughs> things for my own pleasure. Look, that's look, what I'll do. Look, Mike, I'm going to be on the road for like four days. You got, take your opportunity. Four days. Oh, okay. <laughs> get right. to work. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But I, you know, I wanted also to kind of, mentioned one of the things that that you brought up in how this movie very smartly um, sets up how dangerous this is uh, and does it very quickly. And it's kind of the opposite of a movie like Six Underground, where they go on and on and on about the plot and this and that and this. And this is just like, oh, look, the very beginning, one of these things drops and, oh, my God, that man's body is disintegrating. His face face is off. Look at that. Horrible. I don't want that to happen. (laughs) Right. And that's all you need. You know, so then when you have the moment with, you know, Nicolas Cage essentially like shoving one of these into someone's mouth at the end of this movie, you realize, okay, you know what's going to happen. You don't have to have like horrible close ups of it. You don't have to have him explain it. And even there are moments in the movie where he explains what this gas is. And I like that they kind of put it up like, yeah, it's, it's very bad. Like, it's awful. And that's really all you need to know. You get these very quick descriptions and you move on and you get to the next moment. Um, I was wondering what you thought of the. We haven't really talked about Sean Connery much in this movie. Um, and Why would we? Yeah, who's just, that guy? Just you know, just uh, James Bond. No big deal. Um, and I was wondering, speaking of James Bond, if you thought this was uh, his introduction and like you know being a part of British intelligence, if some of that was like too cute and too referential to Sean Connery as an actor, like does that stuff take hmm. you out of The Rock, or is that just fun addition? Well, I mean, it never has for me personally uh i now that you mention it i could see like they're you know a tip of the cap which i think he was a fan of right because he came back for the uh one of the what two that are outside of the james bond continuity <laughs> if you'll call it that yes uh was it never say never yeah again? never say never know. again the non-broccoli okay. uh james bond movie, all right yes. mm-hmm. so i mean i think he probably enjoyed that to some degree because uh whatever his you know, fallout or just, you know, I don't, I don't know because I'm not a James Bond guy, but that also contributes to why, to me, uh, while I know in the back of my head, yeah, he was James Bond, since mm-hmm. I never was really into those movies, it's not too cute for me. It's just like, well, yeah, Sean Connery kind of plays those type of parts, right? He's a cool guy. Like, he's mm-hmm. <laughs> like, for <laughs> this is going to pain you as a, as a huge James Bond fan who I think. Before uh, COVID nineteen, I knew you were going to bring this shit up. Every every James Bond <laughs> movie it. in the yes. build up to 
Yes, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> I did. Yes. What's your point? <laughs> Here I am trying to make time for Enemy of the State, just a one-off from, from Tony Scott. Um, my my point that would be, I guess, you know, an extra insult. I love this two for one thing. I get good, this good. one for free. Is uh, yeah, for me, uh, it would just be like, yeah, entrapment, right? He always plays like a cool, <laughs> slick dude. That's it. <laughs> like that's it. Just it seems just like a Sean Connery role. More so than like, oh, they're really trying to like put place him as like, oh, is he like James Bond in this world? Like, I, you know, I just think that, yeah, he just plays cool action heroes. Mm. That fits. See, I, I liked the referential thing. I know some people have said like, oh, it's like, oh, okay, we get it. Haha, ha, James Bond. He's done that before. Um, but I like it. I think it's like just enough cuteness to it. Uh, cause like if you want to, like you can make up all, and people have like, idiots will like write about this like oh this is james bond and this is how it would tie into the rock and this is the timeline and blah 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 so you can do that or you can just go like oh yeah i see what you're doing there that's pretty cool and then you move on you know and it doesn't it doesn't go back to that at all it just is like oh yeah that's what he used to do anyway let's move on to the rock let's move on to getting inside alcatraz um and even though some of the there's some moments in this movie action wise that I'm like, hmm, would that work? This whole thing with like the, the quarter, uh, when he <laughs> like smashes the quarter under the chair and it like, I watched it and this is like my kind of action movie. Cause I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And I don't care. Like, cause that is cool. Like that is a fun little moment and you get the kind of standoff between him and his handler and all that stuff works. Uh, wasn't a big fan of the, again, this is, Michael Bay to a T, the kind of ridiculous, uh, gay character, uh, that we have, the, of course, the, the hairstylist, uh, that moment doesn't really work for me. Although I think back and it was probably something I laughed at in the nineties. Uh, but watching it now, I'm like, Oh yeah, we've You've monster. We've come a long Awful. way. <laughs> this is not, uh, really appropriate anymore, but like once you know they... why I didn't, I didn't laugh what? at it back then. Cause I'm pretty sure he was on some horrible, uh, attempt at one of those must-see TV sitcoms. You're right. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I just never liked that guy. Just okay. didn't, I don't, don't like his face. I don't find it funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I also think this movie is like kind of remarkably well-paced. Like I think right at about the halfway point of this movie is when they get to Alcatraz. So like you have all this great setup and it all moves really quickly. And then, you know, the halfway point they're at the rock and then it becomes, you know, kind of a heist movie. Um, of them, like, you know, trying to get these memory chips and trying to get the, you know, the, the horrible nerve gas off the island. And I, I like the fact that it's not a, like, okay, everybody grab the biggest gun you can and fire on one another. It's, it's, you know, it goes a little bit of a smarter route because you don't, you don't have, you know, 19, uh, army guys with you to help out because they've all been taken out. So it's just, it's just the smarts of Sean Connery and Nicholas Cage against Although- superior firepower. Strangely, doesn't stop the bad guys from shooting at Cage when he's dealing, like, in his bare hands with, like, one of these crystals that if it's <laughs> – you oh, drop God. it from four feet off Everyone the ground. Everyone does. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're still firing away. You know, they're still making them work for it, I guess. Um, <laughs> that might be the one thing – you're talking about the hairdresser. I, I wondered if the uh, the goon squad, the, the people underneath uh, Ed Harris – or I guess the uh, – uh, the, the ones that disagree and actually want to. Where's uh, my fucking money? Terrorists. <laughs> they, they, you know, once that, uh, once they have their reservoir dogs style like standoff, mm-hmm. uh, they just become insane. You know, they, they become as 
uh, unhinged as Michael Bay tried to present oh, Taylor from, <laughs> from Bad Boys. <laughs> yeah. that was, no, no word choice there. No, <laughs> how I assigned blame on that presentation. Smart. Not well, me. Well That's done. Not... <laughs> yes. Um, it makes me wonder if that choice is because like that is another way for us to relate to Ed Harris's character. Like you mentioned earlier, like he, like, well, I was never actually going to do this. Like I'm not a psychopath. And then you see these other guys who are willing to. So again, it kind of uplifts ed harris's character here so someone you can still relate to and still be like oh this guy is doing things for the right reasons like he made a threat they called his bluff and he's backing off but these other guys these are the real problem so then they become disposable so then when they're dispatched by our heroes you don't feel bad whereas if you know if the movie you know ends with like nicholas cage shoving a you know a ball of nerve gas in ed harris's mouth it's like oh i don't know i don't know how i feel about this i don't like this <laughs> but you do it to the guys who are the psychos then it's okay yeah, I, I never once even, and thanks for that, Dave, that bit of imagery where Nicolas Cage shoves a, a ball of <laughs> chemical warfare into Ed Harris's mouth. Uh, that's lovely. There's a reason you're doing this podcast and not <laughs> not making, you know, The Rock 2 or whatever. Now um, I have ideas, Mike. <laughs> Well, the ideas were already presented to you with this James Bond fan fiction, and you dismiss those. So you obviously don't know where the money is. Like, yeah, that's 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 what the studio wants to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that. What is this one? This one's already right. Just for oh, it's got language be. reasons, probably. Yeah, and there's, and there's like um, a there's a brief sex scene in the movie too. So I'm sure, like with uh, American uh, audiences, no, if there's any no, mention no. of sex, it's R-rated. Now I mean, you now you have offended me. You've offended me. I'm even calling that a sex scene where this this woman is. It looks like she's going to a, a Halloween party or something. It's like what what are you wearing? Nicholas Cage. There's his Mike Lowry moment where he's uh, bare chested with his uh, acoustic guitar and all that. It's rough. It's rough. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't care for it. It's uh, you know what? I'm gonna transition here. It's about as sexless as uh Transformers, whatever the fuck the subtitle is, whatever one we watched. Well, I hope like, I watched the right one. It had are... Anthony Hopkins in it. <laughs> yeah, you that's the right one. The yes. right okay. one. I mean, I <laughs> the right one seems like a stretch. You watched the movie that we're covering. Yes, we're watching Transformers. I asked you last night. I I gave you an alternate option on this, and you chose this. Because I, I had an option where what was the other Transformers option? Transformers was it would have been the oh island. yeah yeah, like, yeah well yeah. the way the way you skew it here you know what we don't have to use the I exact mean, Rotten Tomatoes metric like I definitely thought about it but like <laughs> not to give a serious answer to an obvious bullshit question but <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. if we are going to take a look at Michael Bay as a director I don't think you can leave out Transformers altogether because that's like half of his career that's half of his career originally it was behind a paywall and I think that's the most Transformers thing we could have done I mean yeah that's that's a good point (laughs) good Constant is a complete knucklehead I'm awfully sorry about that but um you see he thinks it's still the year 1918 or 1914 something like that isn't it I mean it's late onset of um well robot dementia not at all pretty well, I don't know what you're smoking in that pipe, man, but what's going on here? Will you drag me to some transform retirement home? Mm-hmm. Look, somebody better start talking or I'm out of here. Whoa, 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 okay. Um, Bumblebee, we only met when I was a little boy in short pants. I must have been that tall, maybe taller, or maybe shorter, I can't remember. But, oh, look, wait, oh, you? Face. B. You know this guy? Oh, yeah. Let's have a look at this thing. 
Um, and this is where it comes up again that I think I, even though this is a fucking terrible movie, let's get that out of the way. It's a bad, bad movie. I'm probably a little more positive on it than you are because I watched everything all in a row. So the way I'm still not understanding why that would make you more well because because this isn't even the worst Transformers movie and it's not even close. This one I will say like it throws almost every idea Michael Bay has ever had into one movie and he's just like fuck it let's go. We're going to make a Transformers movie. We're going to make a King Arthur movie. We're just going to do all of it at the same time. And like, it's almost like if you watch a movie this long with this many special effects, like I, I pity any reviewer that had to review this when that, when this came out. Cause like, what do you even, and then something else blew up, like, and stuff happens. I don't know, man. There's a sword. Uh, what I don't know. So like, <laughs> look, I'll admit, I actually, as shockingly, I stuck with this one for the entire like two and a half hour runtime. I am, I am in disbelief um, that that you actually watched this movie. Yeah, I'm shocked. Yeah. Um, now, I must also admit that I also tended to my Animal Crossing town on my uh, Switch as as this was playing out. Yes. Um, you know, got some fruit collected, planted some trees. Well, Mike, to I'm neighbors. sure you missed the very uh, intricate plot. Of this movie, uh, if you were look, I tried. <laughs> I try. They bring in fucking drunk Merlin at the start of this, and uh, you know, I I thought, well, okay, I just didn't watch the one previously. So, but no, actually, I had because I looked it up and I'm like, this is so. This is the second Mark Wahlberg one, right? Yes, I think. Yes, that's correct. So I'm I am possibly missing the other two, uh, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, yeah, I saw the original. I don't know if I saw any of the. Uh, so I don't know if that's where the does the trilogy cut off there. Do we then jump ahead or do we switch past with when, yes. uh, Marky Mark? Yeah, comes in? so there's three movies with Shia, and then Mark Wahlberg comes in after that for two movies. Yeah, there's uh, and that Shia LaBeouf uh, trilogy is uh, rough, my friend. <laughs> Some bad stuff in there. So there's some carryover from what I remember. You have John Turturro uh, playing uh, Unhinged, I guess. And he we're was back. The first one, right? yes. yes, he was. Yep, yep. Um, so I remembered that. You have Anthony Hopkins. There's an exposition machine, just you know unrelenting in just that. To, just to interrupt you for a second, God bless Anthony Hopkins in this movie because this is a a performance that he could have just like done absolutely nothing with, like just could have completely phoned it in. It's still not a good performance because there's nothing here that could possibly be good. Um, but like he really goes for it, like with that exposition, like he really just kind of dives headlong into it. I kind of respect it because being Anthony Hopkins, he could have just been like. All right, and then there was uh, Transformers, and okay, where's my fucking paycheck? Like, let me just get out of here. But he, like, you know, he gave it his all in this performance. Yeah, he kind of, kind of did that in the Thor movies, yep. I think. You know, yep. he just I whatever. I'm just gonna roll in, put on the stupid fucking helmet, put me in front of the green screen. I'll read the lines, <laughs> go home. Uh, yeah, he actually had my favorite bit in this movie. The only bit that I liked, which is uh, he keeps being interrupted by some ninja robot. Yep. Uh, slash butler and he says just be quiet what's the matter with you and i'm like that's the movie that's it for me like the whole thing is loud i don't know like it is why, very loud. You know, what, what, what is what's this weird i guess what is this the fifth one this is the fifth, fifth one the fifth yes 
why how long did they stretch out this like strange like x-men like you know this uh the robots are aliens and we can't trust them and you know we have this like this new like uh government that's come in this shift in administration tone where it's like they're uh, they've saved the planet three or four times now and they're they're outcast still. They're like living in junkyards, and you have humans like <laughs> also, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch that are like defending them or trying to like dust them off, fix their parts. Also, maybe happening? maybe the funniest thing that you haven't seen because you haven't seen some of the movies in the middle is that there's all this like there's all this stuff about the Transformers like essentially doing like black ops and then going into hiding. Like I was like, they're they're thirty feet tall. What are you talking about? They can't. Like you think no one's gonna notice? Like Black this, ops, this huh? doesn't make any sense. So, so yeah. But all the stuff with them, like you know, really being relegated to like literally in this case the trash heap. Like this is all kind of introduced in this movie. Like or I guess in the first Wahlberg movie. Like so, you know, the, the last night brings up a lot of things. Plot wise, that like if you were to, it still wouldn't be any good. But if you were built to build it over two or three movies, it might make a little bit more sense. But this just feels like we're just going to throw absolutely everything at the wall we can, and we're because this is probably because you mentioned like this was the movie that kind of did in the Transformers um, franchise um, monetarily. But I think it was like the reaction to the movie before this. So I think they knew that this movie probably wasn't going to do huge numbers. So Michael Bay, I think, was just kind of like, all right, well, I've always wanted to do A, B, and C, so I'm going to do it here. Uh, where's where's Merlin's hot granddaughter? Like, I don't, you know, it's just like, <laughs> there's so much in this movie. And our our expert, uh, Steph Williams, brought up uh, maybe the f- most unintentionally funny moment in, it, certainly in Michael Bay's career is making a reference that um, Harriet Tubman knew about the Transformers. Like, that is maybe... <laughs> I was like, I, like, Michael Bay, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I don't want to touch that at all. And uh, well, I think I missed that. Well, Mike... Because uh, I was, you know, well, there's a, there's a selling se- some fruit. <laughs> there's a sequence... <laughs> there's a sequence where Anthony Hopkins is kind of going through the lineage of everyone who's been involved in them, and there's pictures on the wall. And we will oh, not, yeah. yeah, and we will not touch the Harriet Tubman thing. But if you want to follow Steph on Twitter, she is uh, right now uh, putting out a webcomic that's all about Harriet Tubman and the Transformers. So I'm going to leave that to her. <laughs> so, I am definitely. I would, not yeah, touching that. definitely, absolutely. <laughs> I would, I would rather talk about. Uh, what did you think uh, about the? Uh, a Monaco-based French animal control officer, Captain Chantel Dubois. Wait, who? <laughs> oh, sorry. This is from Madagascar Three. Oh, Europe's there it is. I just, I just right. wanted. To... <laughs> I'm glad I didn't lie and pretend like I knew what you were talking about because I would have looked really foolish. <laughs> if you had, I just would have kept reading on the, the little summary of the, you know, the nemesis, the, the problems that those poor animals uh, face. I think I had an issue with one of the animals' names, but I've now lost it. So we'll get back to that when we when we reach yet another dead end of plot and exposition from Transformers: <laughs> The Last Night. I'll just go through Madagascar again. So, in terms of like Transformers as a franchise, I I think I remember correctly that you hate all of it. Um, so I think we come from like kind of a different perspective because you're a little bit younger than me, so I don't know like how relevant transformers was when you were a kid as far as like the cartoons probably not, not at all didn't right? play with them didn't right. watch cartoons right none of that so this was like right in the wheelhouse for my for my age group so when i saw the first one um i think 
<laughs> I think it's like a rose-colored glasses situation. Because um, you're like, oh, a Transformers movie. I finally get to see a Transformers movie. This is going to be great. So you like start making excuses for it as you watch it. You're like, and oh, they're really fine. expensive also. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it looks great. I mean, it is glorious as far as as obnoxious as they are. Yes. <laughs> Even today, watching on my TV, I can still see a distinction between this and Six Underground. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, now this is an expensive movie. This yes. This is where the money is here. Absolutely. So I remember liking it. And as I mentioned, I watched all these movies um, leading up. And like even the first one, I'm like kind of like, eh, this isn't very good. And I think – and I think I mentioned this on our interview with our expert is I think that these movies um, really lean into the worst of Michael Bay. Um not real good with human relationships. And then for some reason, these movies focus so much on the people on the ground, these little ants to the Transformers, and we're just going to focus on them for some reason, does that poorly. And then he has the ability um, to have these monstrosities attack each other for 160 minutes and nothing really happens to them because they're kind of indestructible. So then you have this kind of repetition. The action sequences, none of them, I don't, I mean, a lot of people complain about Michael Bay's action sequences, like you can't see what's happening really, you know, the geography of the scene. I never really had an issue with that in these movies. The issue becomes because they can't really kill one another until the very end of the movie. You just get this repetition of like, okay, so why do I care that that guy's on the ground now? I know he's going to get back up and then that guy's going to be on the ground. Like there's no, there's nothing to really like grab you in those moments, especially well, if you're watching it at home. Like if you're watching it on the biggest screen one. possible, maybe. Go ahead. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins gets fired on and fucking flies through the air. <laughs> like just steam and just like just tumbling down the hill and just it just cracked me up so much (laughs) to know that hopkins was just fucking roasted and killed (laughs) now of course the movie doesn't have the guts to just like that you have to give him like a final line to say where he's just like i had a good life of like talking to weird ninja butler robots that was awesome and then the butler robots like you know it was an honor to serve you like all that sort of stuff i'm Stop it. I'm just thinking you missed you missed a chance there just if Anthony Hopkins shot by a giant toy. Just, just that would have taken actual guts to actually do that, to just like remove him oh, unceremoniously. I'm enjoying but. it. Just imagining my version of it so much. Um someone have to recut that, I guess. Uh just cut this at all. Um it's one of those things where I was praising how expensive and glorious it sort of looks on the screen. Uh and I, I I, I don't – when did that come into play where these movies have to be long as well? I don't know if that's like the – even going to like you know the Avengers movie uh, where it's like, hey, it's going to be over three hours because we have so much to tie up. I'm like, ah, man. Like, Do you though? We, I, thought, <laughs> I thought these were supposed to be like you know 90 minutes and you know th- that's one way to keep the budgets down. More profit is you don't need as much effects work if you just get me in and out real quick. And I, I mean that was my issue coming – someone who's ignorant of the transformers universe all i really need is big machines punching each other and it's just the spectacle i don't know if they i mean some people i remember thinking they liked the stuff with shia like as the kid and like his car and i guess horrible uh, parents watch jesus christ i don't remember the parents (laughs) oh i think i mixed them up with his situation in disturbia where he's just being a little creep uh the entire time which i (laughs) <laughs> I could kind of roll with that. Yeah, I could see that. Um, 
I didn't watch Bumblebee, but that one actually got positive reviews. It didn't one. do very well financially, but yep. that's it seemed like they were trying to pare it back down to mm-hmm. that kind of premise. You liked yeah. it? Was it good or no? Yeah, it is pretty good actually. Like surprisingly, like I didn't see it in the theater because I was like, whatever, it's just another Transformers movie. Like I don't really need to see that. And then I saw it, you know, when it came out on v- VOD, and I was like, oh, actually, it's pretty good. This actually works. I think it's. I think it handles the human story much better than any of the Michael Bay movies did. Um, like watching, rewatching the Transformers movies now, like even the first one, like the stuff with Shia, like it just, just doesn't work. And I find it interesting that you come from this place, like no knowledge of like Transformers. And I come from this place, like that was like my favorite cartoon when I was a kid. And we're both asking for the same thing. Like just have the big robots. Like this is, it's called Transformers. Why are we, why are we wasting time with like, Oh, I got my first car. Like I don't. Dude, like, I could not care less. Mark Wahlberg's like, got this thing with his kid that he uh, is in college. He doesn't talk to him more. His wife's passed. Like, uh, he has this, like, sort of weird, like, adopted kind of paternal relationship with this other Transformers fan that's in, the like, the secret club. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, oftentimes, like, and that's going back to 2007 when the first one came out. And I think it was primarily Torturo. I'm like, why am I watching this nonsense? Like, why, why is this person talking to me? Right. Uh, and I, yeah, I guess that just has kind of like bared out through throughout the the series. But um, I'm glad it's over. I yes, guess. yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, but you brought up like I'm talking the, about this podcast. <laughs> not over, buddy. So sorry. Um, you oh yeah. Masterpiece. <laughs> That's right. Uh, give me Age of Extinction. I'll just take that one out of a hat. That's the masterpiece. <laughs> Sure, why not? So you're talking about like the length of these action movies nowadays when it used to be like, man, if you if you watch like an Arnold movie or a Stallone movie and it was longer than 100 minutes, like you're like, what are we what are we doing here? What are we messing around with? And now it feels like, especially with like things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it makes you wonder like, okay, is it really like we have so much to tie up or is it like because we can? Like, we've proven that we can make a three-hour-long movie that will make a billion dollars, so now we can just do whatever we please. So let's just go for it, and then we can Commando. have... 1985, mm-hmm. $9 million budget, Arnold, mm-hmm. kill everyone, everyone comes after him and his daughter, $9 million, 90 minutes on the dot. There you go. 90 See? minutes. Fantastic. But now it becomes like, oh, and this is true of Transformers as well because it is a fan property. Like, okay, now we can have all these Easter eggs. We can throw all these references in for the super fans. And that probably takes up a good at least 25, 30 minutes a movie. And if you take that out of a movie that's two hours and 45 minutes, then you're down to like two and 15, which is still long for an action movie. But you're like, okay, this is palatable. But like in watching this at home, I think I watched it in like four segments. Uh, cause I was just like, I, I can only take so much of this, man. I just gotta press pause and walk away because like, there's no engagement here and the action becomes repetitive. Even if it is ridiculous, you're still kinda like, it's a movie you can tune out of for like 30 minutes and really not miss anything. And that's a problem in any movie. <laughs> I mean, you can honestly you can tune out for entire entries into this and you're probably fine. Uh, which is this, it's it's weird that they're they want the the appearance of looking like some epic story uh, across I, I guess a decade in real time if you're keeping up these films, uh, but it does I agree with you I think it it just clearly is like Michael Bay's like hmm what about a dinosaur robot in this one 
What about Merlin? What about wizards? And you know, we'll we'll get that. We'll bring the 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 great 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 you know granddaughter relative of Merlin. And there's a scepter. And as long as she's hot, Mike. As long as she's hot, you gotta you know. I actually was going to defend her Michael Bay a little bit, and I thought for sure there was going to be like somehow the you know the the great descendant of Merlin was going to be in a bikini at some point, like you know reading. She was going to be poolside reading about fucking spell casting. <laughs> There's not that at least, That's right? True. Unless I was too busy, uh, you know, digging up fossils for my own. I feel uh, like thing in I feel like you're grading on a curve here for Michael Bay. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I was trying to. I was trying to think. Like, look, I was uh, there was nothing titillating here, is what I'm getting at. At least when I was actually looking at the screen, uh, and I don't. <laughs> that seems to be like you can call it grading on a curve, but. Uh, you know, maybe someone finally got in Michael Bay's ears as far as like, yeah, these these movies are kind of aimed at children or children who are like fifty plus years old. Mm-hmm. That you know, maybe we need to step away from that as far as se- hyper sexualizing like every female character in this. Um, I don't know. I it just it's if you ever have like played <laughs> to get real nerdy like Dungeons and Dragons or something, mm-hmm. it feels like. You, know, you show up for your weekly adventure, you drink a few beers, uh, you roll some D20s, uh, you talk shit. But whoever the uh, the dungeon master is, it's like whatever show he watched that week is like what the adventure is going to be. So if he was watching like a kung fu movie, like it was going to have that martial arts sensibility. And if he was into, uh, as you said, Arthurian legend, he was mm-hmm. going to bring in some of that bullshit. And you kind of just let it go because you're just like, well, this is all just fucking made up right so right. Just, that, that, just no, roll with it this is just to make shit up roll a dice you just tell me what happens i feel like that's kind of michael bay had a very expensive uh mm. D campaign he was running through the the hasbro property here and you just you just kind of have to accept it it's like okay eventually they're gonna you know the real artists here the visual effects crews who you know are worked like you know, I, I don't know. It's like they're working in like factories, and they're like the Seriously. real reason that people go to watch this. And they have horrible hours, horrible contracts, mm-hmm. and it's just all in service of Michael Bay being like Merlin. What about that? And <laughs> you know, you can just you just see the the below the line people. That's like, God damn it! Like just more <laughs> nonsense. All right, get to work. All right, I cannot top um, the nerdiness of that D and D reference. So I think we're just going to wrap up this episode. Like, there's no, there's no. Well, at least out, I got so. to defend, you know, some of the hardworking people that <laughs> yes. actually, you know, do their job effectively with the, the visual effects crew. I mean, that's a really good point because a lot of, especially right now, not only are the digital effects crews kind of the heroes of the industry, but they're also treated terribly and like a lot of times are not given like actual contracts. So it's like once the movie's over, they're out of a job, you know, and they do all this really, really hard work. So, um, and you know, as you said, all of these Transformers movies look great aesthetically. Like they, they look fantastic. They're just, not well thought out and they're not very good unfortunately all right so we made it through the worst movie uh of michael bay's career um and in our next episode we're going to talk about our very favorite uh michael bay movie in pain and gain which strangely is also a movie that depending on who you ask could have been seen as the worst because it definitely divides audiences so we're this will be all that stuff i talked about 
hypersexualizing people. <laughs> We're back. We're, We're back, back the, baby. The welcoming, welcoming bosom of Michael Bay, <laughs> embracing us, saying it's okay Absolutely. here. It's okay to be a dirty pervert. And Dave's going to call it Michael Bay's masterpiece. Goddamn right I am. All right, so that is our going to be our next uh, and final episode in our month of Michael Bay. And if you want one more episode, you can donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash a podcast directed by where we will be talking about the island and Pearl Harbor. Um, so donate there. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, our at is at directed by pod. 